Broadcasting from the Superbook Sports Studios, KTUS AM 1060, Tempe, Phoenix, and KSLX HD2, Scottsdale, Phoenix. It's time to hit the field with Extra Point, featuring Kayla Mortolaro and Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060. Tweet the show at KDUS AM 1060 or give us a call at 602-260-1060. The snap is back. The hold is down. You can't miss with this combination. And the Extra Point is good. Hour number two of Extra Point right here on KDUS AM 1060 on this Wednesday, March 22nd. Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortolaro with you up until noon today as we typically do. Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays. Follow along with us, Terrestrial Radio, KDUS AM 1060, online, KDUS1060.com, and with the KDUS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. We'll make room for Nate Davis around 11.15 today to chat NFL and Uh, some of the free agency news that continues throughout this period. But let's first reset the scene with today's poll questions, and let's start with the KDOS1060.com poll question. This has gotten a lot closer than it was earlier in the day. Did you watch any of the World Baseball Classic? Yes continues to lead, but its lead is down 55% of the vote, no sitting at 45%. Yeah, a little closer. I mean, last week we had a similar question, maybe exactly the same question to some extent, uh, but it was almost it was overwhelmingly no last week. So uh, I guess the championship round you know, picked up some viewership or interest. We'll answer this question around 11.30 today. Flipping this on over to Twitter. Uh, in the March Madness realm of things, Sweet 16 is just about on the horizon. Who do you have ATS on Thursday? Arkansas or UConn? Numbers coming to you from the FanDuel Sportsbook app with UConn minus 3.5 out in front at 55.6% of the vote. Arkansas plus 3.5 at 44.4%. Yeah, UConn tremendous in the second half of each of its first two tournament wins, and Arkansas rallied from a double digits behind in the second half to beat Kansas. So we'll answer this question as well around 11.30. Let's stick a little bit with the college hoops theme and some of the coaching carousel news. You know, we had talked about it because of Bobby Hurley getting the contract extension to stay with ASU, that it was fair to say a bit of a soft market for coaching, uh, you know, vacancies as well as uh, coaching openings that were still yet to be filled and, and desired. But according to ESPN, there are 42 college basketball openings, and some of them have already been filled. In the Pac-12, though, you have Cal firing Mark Fox, and they are still searching. Two names that I know have surfaced, uh, Amir Abdur Rahim, he's the Kennesaw State head coach, and his brother, a Cal player, Sharif Abdur Rahim, a former Cal player, as well as UC Santa Barbara, Joe Pasternak. Well, and Randy Bennett's name is out there, too, who's from Mesa. And uh, yeah, Matt Norlander reporting that uh, he was uh, supposedly in the mix there. And uh, Norlander from CBSSports.com, he's kind of their uh, college basketball coaching change guru dude among many titles that he holds, which I guess that's probably not an official title, but I just gave him that title. Fair enough. Uh, Then you also had Georgetown firing Patrick Ewing and therefore enter Ed Cooley into the mix. And because of that, Providence lost Ed Cooley and will begin the search. That was a place that Hurley's name had surfaced toward the beginning of this week. 
I believe Providence has hired the George Mason dude this morning. Oh, okay. There we go. Yeah. Um, and I forgot who that was. The guy that used to be the uh, – Kim English. He used to be the guy at Missouri. He played at Missouri. So I believe go. I believe that either happened or is going to happen. All right. I will confirm that here uh, in when I can get an opportunity to check that out. As for St. John's, they obviously moved away from Mike Anderson. Enter Rick Patino here. Therefore, Iona lost Rick Patino. Enter Tobin Anderson, who had the upset with Fairleigh Dickinson. Yeah, obviously uh, the feel-good story of Anderson and you know all the you know things we heard about and saw him over the weekend. He was kind of like one of the stars of the first week. Uh, you know, with his interviews and so forth. And uh, it uh, took him – he's doing the right thing. He got a five-year contract from Iona. And it's the guy that was a division – you know, you know, anything but a division one coach in, in all kinds of levels of basketball for several years. So he had no choice but to leave. When it comes to uh, St. John's with Rick Patino. what are the expectations? What are the realistic expectations for the program now with Rick? They should be sky high, and I've never quite understood. You know, St. John's is a program that has not won an NCAA tournament game since 2000. Uh, they've been in the tournament a few times, but uh, not that many times. Uh, but, you know, it's New York City. Uh, and Patino, with his background in New York City and the Big East and, you know, the NBA and everywhere else in Europe for a while. Uh, you know, I can't imagine. This seems to be like a perfect marriage and – yeah, this has been you know, the possibility of him getting this gig has been mentioned literally for months uh, since you know the first I heard about it was last, you know when we were doing our little Christmas vacation thing for a couple of weeks uh, with uh, on the uh, CBS podcast with Norlander and Gary Parish this is the first time I'd heard of this and this so this has been going on for a long time. It was assumed that Mike Anderson wasn't going to return and uh, you know, St. John's is a uh, they have some players. They got a couple of guys, but I assume, uh, you know, I would be shocked if this weren't a heavy transfer portal recruiting class to start with for uh, Patino to get started. And uh, you know, I mentioned in uh, the uh, pipeline today in the Sports Zone. Uh, do you expect uh, you know, St. John's to be in the NCAA tournament next year in Patino's first year? I would actually be surprised if he wasn't. Uh, I think the one thing that's kind of a uh, with all the other stuff that goes on with Patino, and a lot of it hasn't been good, obviously, especially some off the floor things. But you know, the man can coach, uh, and uh, you know he's going to have a you know I think a you know, certainly the increase the the level of uh, you know talent at St. John's, even though it wasn't terrible last year. I thought they kind of underachieved as a team, but uh, I would imagine there's going to be some guys that. Uh, yeah, he either doesn't want to have come back or guys are going to move on. And uh, he's not going to have problems getting guys and maybe come home to New York City. In fact, uh, you know, the the, uh, the regionals, uh, the East regionals are at MSG this weekend. And two of the four point guards are New York City products. And I wonder if had life been different a couple of years ago, they'd be playing for St. John's right now. Are you as making a big a deal out of this as some I'm seeing that Rick Pitino received a six-year contract and he's 70 years old? Well, I mentioned it earlier. I mean, that's uh, definitely interesting. Uh, so good for him. I mean, us old-timers need to get long-term contracts. If, you know, you're certainly not going to say no, but I understand, you know, their expectations. And you know, it's been – this is a, you know, this is a program that was, you know, for many, many years from the – 40s and 50s and 60s and even into the 80s uh, with Karnaseka 
uh, you know, really highly thought of and one of the better, you know, more stable programs in college basketball and has turned out to be anything but that for several years running now. Uh, then you have Notre Dame. Mike Bray is out. They're still looking. Mike Bray, this has kind of been interesting as well because there was some TV talk, then the FAU, and then back to maybe potentially TV. Yeah, I forgot. I heard him mention another job in the last 24 to 48 hours, and I don't recall what it was, so I'm not uh, sorry about that. Um, the, the Notre Dame thing. Uh, uh, USF, about- sorry, not FAU, USF. Okay. Um, uh, yeah, that, that might've been the job that I heard him mentioned for. So we'll see if that happens as far as Notre Dame's concerned. Yeah. Chris Holtman, uh, the Ohio state coach, uh, his, that his name has been mentioned like, you know, 10 seconds or maybe faster than 10 seconds after Bray announced he was leaving Notre Dame. I think he was mentioned, uh, like the first guy. Then Michael Shrewsbury, the Penn state coach has an Indiana background, obviously, and, you know, he just had success with Penn State, and he had all those, you know, guys that are, I think, running out of eligibility. He's had a bunch of dudes on that team seemingly for a very long time, and I'm not sure what the recruiting class situation is, but you know, it seems as if a lot of people, actually, if people thought Shrewsbury was going to get the Georgetown job. Uh, at least he was in the running, or supposedly he was in the public, uh, in the media public media assumption that he was in the running for that Georgetown job before Cooley got that. Uh, This had already previously happened, but Ole Miss out with Kermit Davis, enter Chris Beard. Texas, though, therefore had fired Chris Beard, and they're still looking, even though maybe they have a candidate, but they don't seem to want him, the current one. That would be true. Uh, Certainly, uh, we've talked about this for a while, and uh, there was a report uh, two or three weeks ago now that uh, he wasn't going to be back, uh, no matter how deep they got in the NCAA tournament, and there's at least one person that I know, and uh, I'd like, you know, somebody I like most of the time, that'd be me, that actually think Texas is the best team and uh, the, the, the most talented team. And if you know, if I actually had an official bracket that I filled out, I would have had Texas winning the NCAA tournament. Uh, Georgia Tech lost Josh Passner, entered Damon Stoudemire. Yeah, one U of A guy for another U of A guy. Um, so we saw Stoudemire coach at Pacific a few years ago. Uh, before he got into the NBA assistant coaching thing with the Celtics. And uh, he was very impressive uh, at uh, Pacific. They won some games. Uh, the West Coast Conference, I know it's uh, kind of uh, regarded as you know Gonzaga and St. Mary's and pretty much nobody else. But I think that conference has actually gotten better from the bottom towards the top in the last three or four years. USF has had some success, certainly. And uh, so I think that Stoudemire uh, – Interesting fit, and not a bad time to go to Georgia Tech. Now, the one thing about Georgia Tech, and we talked about this last year when they had a football opening also, you know, the academic restrictions at Georgia Tech are a little bit different than some other ACC schools. Syracuse out, Jim Beheim enter Adrian Autry. Yeah, this was just kind of an automatic thing other than the fact that, you know, I don't think there's any doubt that Beheim was fired. Uh, you know, you know, the circumstances involving of, uh, you know, in the, in the uh, you know, really like a less than a two hour period after they got beat in the uh, ACC tournament by Wake Forest uh, to the weird press conference, which we kind of expected, but it was even more strange than we assumed it would be. And then within two hours of school announcing that Beheim was no longer the coach and that Adrian Autry, who has been his assistant, 
and played for him many years ago at Syracuse as the guy that's in. And finally, the last one I'll mention here, Oral Roberts lost Paul Mills, and he is set to go to Wichita State. Yeah, Wichita State's had an interesting program over the years, too. I mean, obviously, they had NCAA tournament success in the last, you know, know, 10, 12 years here. Uh, But I remember back in the 80s, uh, they had Antoine Carr and Cliff Levingston, two NBA guys, and they were very good. Uh, They were really good at that point. And Wichita is a basketball crazy town. Maybe the state of Kansas is uh, basketball crazy because, you know, obviously KU and then Kansas State. Uh, And uh, right now, oddly enough, Kansas State's the team that's still standing amongst those three schools. That is, in fact, correct. Uh, Nate Davis of USA Today set to join us on the other side of the break. We'll get into all things NFL, NFL free agency with him as he joins us from USA Today. That's all happening here on the other side of the break. It is the Extra Point, KDOS AM 1060, online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app, powered by Superbook Sports. Your caddy, Ray Adams, takes you beyond the 18th hole on Saturday mornings with Great American Golf from 6 to 7 a.m. on KDUS AM 1060. Welcome back to Extra Point right here on KDOS AM 1060 online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. We pop on out to the KDOS hotline for an NFL conversation. Nate Davis with USA Today. Nate, it's Bob and Kayla. How are you today? Good, Kayla. How are you guys? Doing fantastic. Uh, Let's first start here with uh, the Arizona Cardinals. And there seems to be reports that talks are ramping up for DeAndre Hopkins. Then there's maybe not a lot of interest. No one really knows what exactly is going on. So what sort of contract changes do you think Hopkins would need to agree to? And what would potentially the Cardinals be getting in return for Hop once he is finally on the move? Yeah, I mean it's it's a it's a great question. I mean, I, I'm kind of maybe skeptical on the side of, of how great uh, a market he might actually have. I mean, you're talking about a guy coming off the season with suspension last year, uh, you know, injuries the year before that. Um, you know, what, what kind of player are, are you really getting um, if you're another team, particularly for a receiver who's going to be 31 years old? So, I mean, I'm sure there's there's going to be people that want him, but you know, I, I think I think it's probably time to, to, to call it in terms of, of days of DeAndre's time as, as an elite receiver. Uh, and I, I kind of wonder if this might be something that happens closer to the uh, the draft or even during the draft. Um, I mean, I, I think he could probably be certainly competitive with the guys coming out this year. There's no no Garrett Wilson or Jamar Chase or anybody like that you know, in this draft. So uh, maybe if you know, Monty, Monty Osborne waits a little longer, um, and, and that contract number would have to come down. You know, maybe he finds a little bit, a bit better of a, of a market, maybe a more competitive one um, as, as we get more into April. Obviously, uh, with the Cowboys adding Brandon Cooks, that's one less team on the market for wide receiver. What teams do you think most need a wide receiver, whether it's via trade for Hopkins or through the draft? Well, uh, again, like, I don't know if there's one team that has that 
glaring need. Uh, and, and, you know, I don't even know if a team, like a team like the Giants can certainly use a number one receiver. Uh, is that the type of team that's, that's going to take him on, um, particularly after kind of the disaster they had with Kenny Galladay? And I don't, I don't mean to compare DeAndre directly to Kenny, Kenny Galladay, but I, I think I think it's going to be a, a resource thing for, for some teams. And I, I just, again, I, I kind of wonder if this turns into – more of a buyer's market. I mean, certainly he could he, he, he could have an impact somewhere. I just not, I'm just not sure it's the number one kind of receiver impact, and the teams are, are going to want to pay uh, a premium for him, either either financially or or in terms of, of what they give up. So we'll we'll see how it develops, Bob. Uh, it'd certainly be interesting if a team like like Chiefs got interested, and then may, maybe you know where where it's a more enticing situation for DeAndre, and maybe he's more motivated to to make the move for for a place that could. Um, showcase him a little more and maybe, maybe make him a more attractive option a year from now. We'll, we'll see, but I just don't know that there's a screaming need um, where you're going to outline seven teams that they really need DeAndre that you could, you could pit against each other. Nate Davis, USA Today here on KDOS AM 1060 in the Extra Point. Uh, so some t- some players that are not returning, some big retirements for the Patriots, Devin McCourty and Dante Hightower. Hightower's strip sack in that Super Bowl against the Falcons. That just lives in infamy. Uh, but the mold of the linebacker kind of changed in the NFL, and he was getting a little bit older as well. Maybe McCourty still could have kept playing one more year if he wanted to, but Bill Belichick now will have to find some new pieces. Are they already in-house for this Patriots? defense i great great question um i, I mean they, they they do have players there i mean that is an ever-evolving thing i mean i don't know deandre or Dante hightower has been a real impactful player in recent seasons i think with, with mccourty obviously you're you're losing the leadership but i think he's you're talking about a 35 year old player um you know dugger we'll get a chance to maybe morph into that guy and we'll see if adrian phillips uh, can really be that that guy in terms of a, of a safety. I mean, he's he's kind of transformed into a better player in in recent years. But uh, yeah, it's just another thing that's been rallying around my mind with this team too is is I mean, when, when do we stop looking at the Patriots as a team that has you know the the answer key? Uh, you know, and they haven't had it since they they, they lost their their quarterback. So um, we'll, we'll see what they come up with. But uh, I'm I, I think that this is a team. On, on the descent, and I'm really curious if they're going to be able to recapture in any shape, way, shape, or form with what they were during the Tom Brady era. And you kind of wonder at some point if this starts to have a bit of a negative reflection on Bill Belichick if it hasn't already. The Panthers, they now have the number one pick. What should they do, and what do you think that they will do? And those could be two different answers, certainly. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be interesting to see what, what comes out of the pro days. Uh, obviously, we haven't seen Bryce Young work out that, that that's going to happen here soon uh and, and you know the panthers decision makers i i, I expect up to and including uh, mr tepper are, are going to be looking at these uh very closely you know frank reich is holding the cards very close to the, the chest right now uh you know i think i think it's understandable why some people are kind of leaning or going in the cj stroud direction right now just because i mean frank reich is you know, he, he is probably more you know at least in terms of athletic ability in the, in the carson wentz uh, Philip Rivers, um, Matt Ryan, Andrew Luckmold. Uh, whereas I think Bryce Young would be a, a bit of a different player for, for Frank Reich to get used to. It doesn't mean that he won't. Um, I, I kind of personally think that's eventually where, where they wind up. Uh, I don't think C.J. Stroud could have looked much better than he did at, at the pro day. It's certainly, uh, you know, at the, at the end of his career, uh, namely uh, in, the, in the Georgia game. So I, I, I've been really impressed with what I've seen with him 
um, lately in Indianapolis uh, in, in the college football playoff. Uh, I don't know if he's going to catch up to, to Bryce Young in time to overtake him, but uh, you know, it's also going to kind of depend on, on what what they're they're hearing in, in their interviews, uh, what they do on their top thirty visits, and that kind of thing. But I, I still kind of think that Bryce Young, probably just in terms of ability and what he's put on tape, is probably the best quarterback in this draft. And I, I think probably that's where the Panthers will, will ultimately work work their way towards. What do you make of what the Lions have done on defense? Cam Sutton, Emmanuel Mosley, this week C.J. Gardner-Johnson. Is this team therefore then poised to really contend for the NFC North? Yeah, I mean, I think that they probably already were. Um, it, it was they, they did have the worst defense in the league, at least you know overall last year. So there was work there to do. Um, it's going to be interesting to see what they what they come up with in the draft with the sixth pick, and you know, could could a guy like Jalen Carter possibly land in their lap if they, they decided they're comfortable going uh, in, in that direction? But yeah, Kayla, I mean, I think that they're kind of I don't know if they're the prohibitive favorites in, in that division, but I bet I bet there's going to be a lot of people picking them to win it, um, given the way they they finished last season, you know, including that that week 18 win against the Packers when when ultimately the Lions didn't have anything to play for. Uh, but but pride uh, and, and just the way you, you know I thought an interesting thing in Good Morning Football the other day. Who, who's the second best quarterback in the NFC? And some people would say Jared Goff, you know, <laughs> which is amazing um, to think about right now. And, and I'm not saying that's the definitive answer, but the fact that he's even in the conversation, um, at least in terms of the NFC, kind of just tells you where the conference is as a, as a whole. So uh, I, I would be shocked if this team doesn't make the playoffs next year, uh, whether whether as NFC North champs. Uh, or obviously as, as a wild card, but um, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't want to stay on my schedule. Okay, so sticking with the NFC North, Aaron Rodgers is still with the Packers. What's the hold up here? Well, Aaron Rodgers told us Bob the hold up with the Packers, and now they're they're waiting to see how much they can get out of the Jets here. Um, and I, I guess again, how, how long is this going to take? It's a, it's a great question. Uh, if you're the Packers, I mean. Do you, do you let it go past the draft, or, or do, you, do you eventually um, find find some kind of common ground with the Jets so that you can have have those draft picks in hand and use them this year, um, regardless of what, what that compensation is going to be? But uh, I, I would think it would happen before the draft. Uh, if, if it goes past that, you, you know, at some point, you know, and then that point is, is before week one, the Packers are going to owe Aaron Rodgers $58 million, and, and we know that that's not going to happen, uh, but that's what his contract stipulates. So, uh, it, it feels like the, the leverage is, is on the Jets' side here, uh, even though the Packers currently, you know, are, are the ones that have to decide when they're going to pull trigger. But you know, if you're the Jets, I think you can wait this out a, a bit longer. Uh, you, you know that, you know, and you go into this knowing that, you know, at least at the very least, he knows your offense. So it's not like he's going to come in cold or, or from square one on day one. Um, certainly, you want to get him acclimated to your, your team, your, your culture, and, and, and your players. But I, I would think that. You know, I would think this becomes a bigger distraction for the Packers the longer it goes on. Nate Davis having an NFL conversation coming to us from USA Today right here on KDOS AM 1060 in the extra point. Uh, the Bills, they uh, let Devin Singletary go to the Texans. The Bills have picked up Damian Harris instead. So did Buffalo get better? Um, I'm not sure yet. It's, 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 uh, I'm curious what, what type of role that James Cook um, the, the rookie back they had from Georgia last year, Dalvin's brother. You know what? What does he? What, what does his role become uh, in 2023? Uh, you know, Damian Harris is, is different back than, than Devin Singletary. I think he's more of a first, first, uh, first.
and down kind of guy. Um, had some, had some injury history, so uh, you, you got to worry about that. And then you know you kind of wonder too what what might be at the Bills' sleeve uh, in the draft. I mean, a lot of people like like the idea of, of maybe they could take Bijan Robinson as kind of that missing piece. And, and you would think they would like to do something to take the pressure off off Josh Allen and not not have him shoulder so much of the load in the running game, particularly as, as it pertains to the third down plays and, and, and red zone. Uh, but we'll, we'll see what happens. I mean, they've got they've got some players there, and I, I do think James Cook is, is ready for for a bigger role. Uh, but but I, I also think that this team should, you know, I thought I thought they should have taken Brees Hall last year. Um, for, for a team that looks like it's just a player or two away from from, from being a Super Bowl contender, I would think B. John Robinson would look pretty good there if they, if they could pull the trigger on that. Okay, I asked about Aaron Rodgers earlier, so I'll go to Lamar Jackson this time around. Uh, you know, the, there was I know the Colts rumor. If that's a rumor, there's talk about the Colts out there. Uh, would that make sense for them? Two first round picks. If there's a trade, etc. So I guess uh, what's what's the hold up with Lamar Jackson? I guess it's Lamar. Uh, you know, in some cases because he's turned down some money already for them. Yeah, I mean, I think there's a lot of truth in that, Bob, and I do think there's just a hesitance from other teams in that, you know, obviously any, any offer that comes his way that he accepts, the Ravens merely have to match it. So you go through the entire rigmarole of constructing a contract and negotiating with them uh, only to walk away with nothing if the Ravens um, match. I mean, there, there is that thing, too, about that representative out there putting the word out that maybe he wants to be done with Baltimore, but he doesn't hold all the cards here, um, and then the Ravens hold, hold a lot of them. So we'll, we'll see what materializes. Uh, I mean, the Colts thing is interesting to me because they haven't really had, you know, they, they've, they've been such a pocket quarterback kind of team going back really this entire century from Peyton Manning on, on, on forward. So that would be a departure for them. Um, that being said, I mean, Saints like and their new coach worked the last couple of years with Jalen Hurts. So that, that would be a compelling um you know, marriage to have Lamar Jackson and Shane Sykes working together. Yet you also wonder if they could just get that in the draft with Anthony Richardson at that number four pick uh, and have the cost control for five, five years rather than trying to, to pay whatever Lamar Jackson wants and, and hope that uh, the Ravens let you have him. So we'll see what happens. I mean, I really thought that somebody would make a run at him by now. I thought Atlanta was, was a logical one given the cap space they had and, and the, the need to have a quarterback down there that could put – people in the seats the way, the way Michael Vick did. But, um, you know, I just hope Lamar does the right thing for himself. And, and clearly, you know, he's, he's, he's calling the shots as, as he wants to right now in terms of, of, of offers and whatnot. But the, the amount of money he's left on the table um, just by not signing a contract and, and getting into that second contract and setting himself up for a third, I mean, he's, he's already lost a lot just by, by not signing an extension two years ago the way Josh Allen did, you know, Josh Allen in the same draft as Lamar Jackson and already has $150 million guaranteed and working towards a third contract. Uh, I just hope ultimately for Lamar's sake he doesn't end up cutting off his nose despite his face. Nate Davis, USA Today here on KDOS AM 1060. We still have the draft to go, but out of the teams that seem like they are actively trying to get better to improve or get to the playoffs and make a deeper run in the playoffs if that's where they're currently at, who had the best free agency so far and who had the worst? Oh, I mean, the the Bears have had a compelling one. Obviously, I mean, part part of the uh, calculus there is, is, of course, what they what they've gotten themselves 
in the draft market by, by moving down from that one pick, that nine pick, um, and picking up a player of D.J. Moore's caliber in addition to, to the draft pick. So I think you have to like what what they've done. Um, you know, the, the Rams, seems like the, the tab is kind of coming due for them right now, having to give up a player like Jalen Ramsey for a third-round pick just so you can get um, cap compliant. So those are two that come to mind. I mean, I think the Giants, I don't know if they're a, a real – Sexy answer right now, but I mean, they were able to keep Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley both. Um, Darren Waller as, as well. You know, you'd like to see them get get another receiver there for, for Jones. Um, Bobby Okariki from the Colts was a nice pickup for them. But I think, yeah, Giants, Giants and Bears kind of leave to mind the teams um, that did well. Atlanta a little bit too. I mean, they, they were more re-signing some of their own their own guys and getting some other kind of lower-key lower, lower key free agents. But I think this is also, you know, not, not the – not the greatest free agent class we've ever seen, particularly with the way Lamar's situation is. So I, I think I think a lot of these teams by keeping their own guys, and, and the Eagles are another one. I think I think maybe if you, my my best answer would, would be the Eagles, given all the guys they managed to keep in house. Um, you know, while while looking at all the free agents they had going into the process, um, and, and not losing many, they I think that they're and, and again going back to the way the state of the NFC is right now, I think they've done a, a really nice job keeping it together. Uh, and looking ahead, I mean, they do have those two first-round picks. We'd be surprised if they wind up trading one, but I think that they're really kind of set up um, to have a, a bit of a Super Bowl window here. Nate, we greatly appreciate you taking some time with us today, and we look forward to doing it again soon. Okay. Thank you, guys. Good talk to you. As always, yes. Nate Davis, USA Today. Uh, as Nate was talking there, it looks like Mikel Hardman has found a new location. He is off to the Jets. That's an interesting place for him. Um, I don't know if that's going to you know, you know, kind of uh, speed up the uh, process for Aaron Rodgers. I don't think he was on the wish list. But uh, Hardman, when he's on the field, which unfortunately has not been very often because of multiple injury situations, you know, he's obviously a run-after-the-catch guy for sure, and it would seem like Rodgers uh, throwing to Hardman would not be a bad fit. No, I think that that would be a great fit as long as and- he's there. And they've also they've got he would be the number one guy by any means. They've got other receivers too. Garrett so. Wilson, yeah, absolutely. Um, and then yeah. uh, obviously, I am blanking on his name, but he just came over from the Packers. Yeah, the uh, yeah, I'm too. The kid Lazard. There we go, Alan Lazard. Yes. Yeah, so they've got guys, and uh, so that that's not a bad group. They can just pass block. That would be good. Poll questions, we answer them on the other side of the break. It is the extra point. Tune in weekdays to the Sports Zone with Bob Kemp from 9 to 10 a.m. on KTUS AM 1060, KTUS1060.com, and with the KTUS 1060 app. Poll question time here on Extra Point on this Wednesday, March 22nd. Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortolaro with you up until noon today, as we typically do Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays. Appreciate Nate Davis and his time talking about the NFL from USA Today. If you've missed any of our interviews, you can always podcast many places now to podcast over at kdos1060.com or with the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. It's in a multitude of places on the app as well. But as I mentioned, it is poll question time, and we start with the kdos1060.com poll question. Did you watch any of the World Baseball Classic and... 
Team Japan beat Team USA 3-2 yesterday to take the championship with Otani striking out Mike Trout. Yeah, I watched more than I've ever watched, uh, which there wasn't much before, quite frankly. Uh, but, you know, watched uh, you know, bits and pieces of the last four days. And uh, actually starting with, uh, you know, Saturday night when uh, the U.S. had the rally with Trey Turner's, you know, Grand Slam home run. And that was up against some of college basketball. I was bouncing around a little bit and kind of just kind of stumbled into that uh, Trey Turner home were almost at the right point. But, you know, certainly, uh, you know, the uh, the game on uh, the Japan-Mexico semifinal on Monday night. I got all my days mixed up here. Uh, but in the semifinal, that was an incredible baseball game. That was uh, If that was like a World Series, you know, game seven or something like that, or a World Series game in recent years, that would be looked at as one of the great games we've ever seen. Uh, yeah, so I certainly watched clips, and then I sat down and I watched the final game last night. Um, and... I do think, though, that it's just it's hard in general. We kind of talked about this at the the top of the show today that there's so much happening in sports right now that it's it, it's hard to consume everything. So you're kind of picking and choosing uh, what you're able to sit down and watch and build into your schedule and everything like that. We talked about how, though, March does seem to make the most sense for this particular tournament. So I'm not really sure that there's any other uh, opportunity for them to sneak in and grab a, a window. But I think it was compelling I think it was interesting I, I think the, the the play was good and I think it's great that you're hearing a lot of uh, team USA players talk about how much they love being a part of the team how much fun that they had and that certainly helps uh, bolster the product when the players are enjoying it and then maybe the fans are a little bit more intrigued as well yeah I think the two things that really didn't change during the last you know however many weeks this has been going on is one, you know, we had Bob Nightingale on before the tournament, and uh, he and others, you know, thought that Japan was going to be the best team, and obviously they had the, the best starting pitching amongst anybody. And the other thing that really didn't change too much is I think a lot of people were concerned about the lack of U.S. pitchers, uh, and, uh, the, you know, the top quality pitchers. And, you know, the stat that I heard yesterday from Verducci was that uh, 15 uh, players, uh, 15 American-born players got Cy Young votes last year. None of them were on Team USA. Yeah, I agree that that's a, a bit of a problem that you wanted to see a Clayton Kershaw out there. I know he wanted to be there, but insurance policies and things like that wouldn't allow him to be out there. Uh, but a Max Scherzer or a Justin Verlander or maybe some more guys with some name recognition as well would have potentially been um, and the pedigree too to back it up. Right, not just name recognition, but just your results. And uh, you know, I think that's uh, you know, if, if I were actually considering to bet on this, which I didn't. Uh, I would have looked at the Team USA pitching staff and not bet on Team USA. I don't care how many position players you have. And, you know, obviously they had not just obviously some bats, but they had some guys that are stud defenders and so forth. But, you know, if you can't throw strike one on a consistent basis, which I certainly, I think, hurt them last night a little bit, uh, certainly with Merrill Kelly out there. He was behind the count a lot and, uh, you know, he retired four of the nine hitters that he faced. However, this is going in the opposite direction. It is now in a 50-50 split amongst the masses between yes and no if you watched any of the World Baseball Classic. 
Yeah, but I, once again, the last time I got a chance to probably even mention this because I don't think we're going to be a World Baseball Classic questions for the next, for until 2026, I guess. But, uh, yeah, this is much different with a similar question uh, from last week when there was almost no interest in this. So, obviously, uh, you know, the last you know, three or four days, and I'm sure Team USA being part of it had something to do with it. But, yeah, last week it was like 75%, maybe even a little higher. Uh, it was that people hadn't watched or weren't interested really at all. Flipping this on over to Twitter, at KDUSAM1060, Sweet 16 gets started tomorrow. Uh, who do you have ATS on Thursday? Arkansas plus 3.5 or UConn minus 3.5? Numbers coming to you from the FanDuel Sportsbook app. Uh, my question here, can Sonogo be stopped? He had 52 points, 21 rebounds on 24 of 33 shooting in rounds one and two. So does Arkansas have anyone on defense to be able to match up with him? I think maybe fouls are the only thing that can stop him. Uh, Will Arkansas take good shot selections or will the path finally run into the wall for this Arkansas team? I like UConn to win this. I don't know that I love three and a half, though. Yeah, I'm a little con- I'm a little confused at the numbers this tight. I mean, I thought it'd be higher. Uh, you know, Arkansas was not thought about highly by hardly anybody when the tournament started. I'm not even sure they were thought very highly about from anybody before the second half when they rallied from double digits behind to beat Kansas. And uh, the fact that this there's been money on you know, Kentucky and uh, Arkansas. You know, this game opened four four and a half. And uh, I was actually assuming that that number would go up. And uh, we're sitting here. There's some threes around the world that we can, if you're really searching for a better number than even three and a half. But, uh, you know, three and a half is kind of the standard number. But, uh, like I said, I'm surprised that this came down. And, you know, Arkansas, was, they, had lose, they were under 500 in the last 10 games before the, uh, before the uh, NCAA tournament started. The masses, though, man, we, they're in snug. Every single question. It's another 50-50 split between Arkansas plus three and a half and UConn minus three and a half. 50-50 split on Twitter at KDOS AM 1060. All right. Yeah, a little preview for tomorrow. Needless to say, we're going to talk about Gonzaga and UCLA and Ben Bolch will join us from the LA Times. And uh, that will certainly be a poll question in shape, some shape or form, probably .com poll question for tomorrow. 16th anniversary of that showdown between UCLA and Gonzaga leaving Adam Morrison in tears. That's true. And even more so, you got guys that played two years ago uh, against each other. And uh, there are still still some guys on uh, those two teams. Obviously, the stars of those, uh, you know, the top Mm -hmm. three players on these teams. Well, the top three players on the current team, uh, those current teams, plural, uh, all played in that game, uh, that classic game a couple years ago when Suggs made the game-winning shot in the semifinals. And luckily for me, uh, Gonzaga went on to lose to Baylor in the conference, in the uh, NCAA tournament championship game. So needless to say, there's some great history between Gonzaga and UCLA. Yeah, in addition, uh, who, who's the best in the West at this point, huh? Uh, that's a good point. Uh, We will wrap up today's edition of Extra Point on the other side of the break. We'll do what's best for the team, and we'll do what's best for you. The Rich Eisen Show, coming to you weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m. here on KTUS AM 1060 and KTUS1060.com.
up this Wednesday, March 22nd edition of Extra Point right here on KDOS AM 1060, online at kdos1060.com, and with the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. But it's that time once again, Bob. It is thank you time. As always, we thank you for listening. Special thanks to the callers, emailers, tweeters, texters, whomever, and whatever else. To the cracks, also our guest today was a USA Today tandem, uh, Bob Nightingale, talking about the, the WBC, and uh, we kind of previewed the Major League Baseball season, which begins a week from tomorrow. And also, we went around the NFL with Nate Davis, among other things. We talked about the DeAndre Hopkins situation the conflicting reports, uh, depending on which uh, television network or you know, dot com thing that you believe in, uh, between uh, you know ESPN and NFL media yesterday, and uh, within an hour it was like as conflicting as you can get regarding the DeAndre Hopkins trade situation. Sound of the day, courtesy of FS1, uh, March Madness, CBS, and also St. John's Athletics. Uh, and then uh, I don't know if things, I don't know if St. John's even has a football team, but not a Division One, obviously. Uh, but St. John's Athletics. Meanwhile, special thanks uh, to Kayla and Corey and Aaron as always. And Kayla's going to tell us what's coming up next. From noon to one o'clock, it is Sports Map Radio Network, followed by the Doug Gottlieb Show from one to three, the Rich Eisen Show from three to five p.m., the Sports Zoo with Dave Rooster Beerstein from five to six. And if yesterday you were attempting to tune in to ASU baseball as they were facing Grand Canyon, they made the decision to reschedule their game to today. So as long as the clouds continue to clear here, everything should be set and ready to go for first pitch tonight at 6 p.m. with Tim Healy on the call. That's ASU baseball, GCU, 6 p.m. tonight, KDOS AM 1060, KDOS1060.com, and the KDOS 1060 app. The NCAA men's tournament, we discussed this a little bit earlier on in the week, had record viewership for the first two days, especially that Friday broadcast. ESPN says the same for women's NCAA tournament action. The first round was up 27% compared to 2022, and in total, 875 million minutes of first-round tournament action was consumed, most on record for ESPN. So I guess there is a frenzy of love for some college hoops going on right now. I watched a little of the Ohio State women. Was that yesterday or the day before? Again, my days mixed up again. Uh, but it was earlier this week. Uh, they beat North Carolina at the buzzer. Uh, the one thing about the women's tournament is you have teams playing at home, and that certainly helped Ohio State in that game. On uh, That was Monday afternoon, actually. Uh, so that's, uh, you know, I watched part of that. And uh, I, I mentioned this yesterday, too. I like the, a lot of the women's rules, the, the fact that they have two halves and they have at the end of the game, you can call a timeout and get the ball at half court. I uh, wish the college basketball did those things, men's college basketball. I thought it was interesting that uh, Miami, in both of the men's and the women's tournament, is the one that kicked out Indiana. Both Miami <laughs> and Indiana, uh, or both Miami schools for men's and women's, were the uh, higher seed, and so upset Central there. So I thought that that was kind of ironic how that ended up unfolding. Uh, we had been talking about... I, I didn't watch the women, but I watched the Indiana men just flat quit in that game on uh, whatever day that was Sunday I guess it was uh, once again I'm getting my days mixed up in the last last round of the tournament uh, that was a you know and I don't use the word quit often and when I do I mean it and that was a really pathetic 
uh, effort by the Indiana players once they fell behind in that game in the second half. They just uh, they checked it in. The Suns are taking on the Lakers tonight, 7 p.m. on ESPN. In terms of things that we were discussing earlier in the show in regards to the NBA and teams chasing the Suns, what being the Clippers, the devastating injury for the Clippers with Paul George. He, according to Adrian Wojnarowski, has sprained his right knee and will be reevaluated in two to three weeks. He is expected to be out for the rest of the regular season, which for the Clippers is nine games remaining, and his time timetable for a possible return would be in the playoffs but it won't be uh, a much clearer picture until he's reevaluated in two to three weeks uh, on the other side of things Luka Doncic expected to play tonight for Dallas he's been out for uh, a handful of games roughly uh, and uh, they play Golden State it's a road game for Golden State that game last I looked was a pick but I don't know if this number has changed uh, after the Doncic news came out within the last what 45 minutes or so Pick the winner of the basketball bonanza by going to kdos1060.com and enter the basketball blitz contest from Desert Diamond Casino West Valley. If you correctly pick the winner, you go into one big pot for your chance at $2,000. That's over at kdos1060.com. Winner's Sports Bar is serving up great food and drinks surrounded by wall-to-wall screens, plus Arizona's best local sports bar at Desert Diamond Casino West Valley. And right now, caller number 2-602-260-1060. You're the winner of a $25 voucher to Winner Sports Bar at Desert Diamond Casino, West Valley, 602-260-1060, caller number two. Everyone have yourselves a fantastic Wednesday, and we'll talk to you tomorrow.